We uh, are looking at what the Bible has revealed to us about the heart of God and God's love letters. Now, when Cutie and I first met, that's what I refer to my wife. Her name is Krista, um, but you'll never hear me say that other than when I introduce her. Um, you'll always hear me refer to her as Cutie. And when we first met, she was living in Odessa, and I was living here going to ASU, going to school here. And so we had this semi-long-distance relationship. We didn't get to see each other every day like we would have preferred to get to see each other. And she worked uh, in an office and had uh, ready access in her break moments to create these cool little notes. And one of my favorite parts of going there to, to my mail every day was to go and pull out my mail. And every day... My wife had mailed me this awesome little custom-made love note. I have a whole box full of all of these little notes that she would just... Some of them were countdowns until how many days we get to see each other. Some of them were things of just thinking about you. They were all different stuff. And they just... Something that I treasure still to this day. We've got some long handwritten love notes and... Where right before we got married, where she's just sharing her heart on some of the apprehension of, of moving to a new place and starting a new life, but so excited about what God has for us. And, and they're just things that are so precious, written down and expressed into, into our relationship. Well, see, the love of God is also revealed through these love notes. It's revealed in the Bible. And they're God's love letters to us. These love letters contain the same sentiments that all great love letters express. God has expressed, and so many times, especially as a guy, I don't see God in this lover relationship. But it's expressed all throughout the Word that God is the lover of our souls. And my, uh, my wife and women tend to have a better understanding of God as one who loves and who pursues us and, and courts us and draws us in. And as we look through the Bible and we look at these different things, we see that first off, one of the things the Bible lets us know, like any other great love note would say, is that my love for you is unshakable. You know, when we were, Cutie and I were dating and going through and <clears throat> all of that process, that was one of the things we would always talk about is just how solid our love was. I just love you so much. And it was so ooey gooey and wonderful. And, uh, and uh, it, is, uh, it is still, to this day, we love to text each other and do a little stuff to uh, remind each other how much we love each other. But our love for each other and God's love for us is unshakable. Let's look at Isaiah 54.10. It says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. God absolutely loves us. God is not looking for reasons to disconnect from us. So many people have this vision of, this, of God having all of these little standards and he's looking for the first reason to kind of divorce us, to kind of get rid of us, kind of shake us off, that we're some kind of a nuisance and he wants to get us out of his life. And really, 
God is not. God sent His Son to create this eternal, everlasting covenant that where we could be in relationship with Him without having to worry about being cut off. It is God's heart for us that He has this unshakable love. And until we wrap our minds around this, then we're going to be concerned on a regular basis whether or not we have messed up or, or violated something that breaks God's love for us. We have to be solid in our understanding that God's love for us and His commitment to us is absolutely, completely unshakable. I grew up in Odessa, and out there it's just flat. I mean, just flat as flat can be. It's got its own kinds of beautiful. You'll rarely see any more beautiful sunsets than you see in Odessa Midland. I mean, they're just, it just lights up the sky. It is just gorgeous. It, you have like these 15 minutes in the morning and night that it's beautiful. The rest of it is ugly. <laughs> and so, but it really is gorgeous in those 15 minutes a day. And uh, then you have this, in cool, this cool thing where you can, just, you can just see forever. You can be coming in and be like 20 miles from town at night and just see all the lights just spread out. And I just loved that as a kid. And I and I'd always ask my parents, is, is that Odessa? Like, yeah, that's Odessa. Are we there yet? We've got to be close if I can see it. No, we've still got a long ways to go. It is just absolutely flat. Well, my dad <coughs> worked for an oil company and took care of a lot of the oil field automation, took care of all of the stuff that made everything work, all the computer stuff. Well, there would be lots of storms and all of that kind of mess going on. And anytime there was lightning... Something was going to get struck because if everything was the tallest thing, you built it, it's the tallest thing out there. You couldn't, you didn't, I mean, it wasn't like some other place where you could bank on a tree maybe taking the lightning. You built it, it's the tallest thing out in that field. Lightning was going to, it was going to get struck. It just, that's just what happened. And so sure enough, lightning and all this stuff would happen and my dad would get called out all the time in the middle of the night and have to go and fix all this thing because you got to keep the oil pumping, you got to keep it coming out of the ground. And uh, so it was not uncommon for my dad to go out in the middle of a storm and be working on, on uh, stuff in the middle of storms all the time. Well, one particular evening that my dad was out on the middle of a call out and it was, it was real regular for us to get the little tornado warning at the bottom of the screen. It got to the point as a kid we would see that and wouldn't bother us at all. And we get tornado warnings all the time. No big deal. Nothing ever happens and this night, there was a big tornado warning going on. Me and my sisters went to bed, and uh, come to find out, in the middle of the night, uh, my dad was out in the middle of this lease, dealing with all this stuff, and in the middle of the lightning flashes, he saw, I mean, it was just, he said it was the most surreal thing he's ever been in in his life. Just the telephone poles are just doing this number. They just look like noodles. And I don't know if you've seen a pump jack, but they're on a huge concrete base, there's this huge metal thing, and they were being knocked over by these tornadoes. And the lightning flashes, he was surrounded by five of these tornadoes. This, all his years out in the oil field, he had this happen one time. And my mother was prompted by the Holy Spirit to begin to pray for him. And she got up, and she was walking up and down our street, walking up and down the sidewalk and praying for him and rebuking those storms and standing in the authority that she has as a believer. Pretty soon, the, our neighbor lady came out, and they're standing and praying. And my dad 
didn't know what to do, and was probably in one of the typically least safe places to be. He stayed in his pickup. And so he was just, he was just hunkered down in his truck. And you'd see that it'd be pitch black, and he said the lightning would flash, and there were these tornadoes all around him. But it, with pump jacks going over, with lines snapping, with all of this stuff happening, and my dad's truck stayed solid. It stayed unshakable in the middle of that. See, God's love is that way for us. So many times if we don't, if we get our eyes on what's going on in the world, we can begin to think that God's bailed on us, that God isn't there for us anymore. Well, God, if you're really here, if your love is really here, how come all of this mess is happening all around in my life when really in Christ, there's nothing that can be stolen from us. We're solid as solid can be. Yes, storms come. Yes, stuff, junk happens in life. But in our relationship with God, we are solid. And we have to remember and stay banked on that, that God's love for us is totally and completely unshakable. It doesn't matter what gets exposed in the flashes of light in life. It doesn't matter what else is falling to our right or to our left. When we are God's, His love for us is absolutely and completely unshakable. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. See, we, we spoke a couple of months ago about Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We have to get that way down deep on the inside of us. That is a reminder that no matter what else is happening, whether we messed up yesterday or messed up two seconds ago, that God's love for us is unshakable. It is unshakable. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. He loves us so incredibly much. The next thing we see through the Word of God that all great love notes say is, and I think about you all the time. I, you just consume my thoughts. I just think about you all the time. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I tell you what, it ought to be comforting to know that God is thinking about you. That you're on God's mind. That God is not forgotten. So many times that lie can come in and try to weasel its way in and put, a, put its holds on us. That God has somehow forgotten us over in this situation. Or God, you've parked me back here in San Angelo and I just this is no place I really want to be. And I'm totally forgotten out here in desolate West Texas. There are people that have thought like that. Not me. I love West Texas. This is the best place to be. Thank you. And, uh, but God has not forgotten. He's thinking about us all the time. Psalms 139, 1-7 says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out Am I lying down and you are familiar with all my ways? Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. 
you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? God loves us so much and is thinking about us, is aware of what's going on in our life all the time. I mentioned earlier about the fact that me kind of wrapping my mind around the fact that that you know God is our lover. I understand God being a warrior, I understand God being a savior, but God kind of being this this doting, caring friend, this 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 lover, this one who cares about our needs. And uh and I have honestly got to learn a lot of this and see God this way through my wife. And one of those things is the fact that for uh, a long time, and I've shared this with y'all before, is I didn't really understand my wife's love language. And if y'all have, don't understand, if you have a spouse or whatnot, I encourage you to, to go on and Google the five love languages, Gary Chapman and study that up it will really help you in your relationship and I didn't learn this till later in life and my wife's love language is is gift giving and she loves to give and receive gifts and we had I mean yesterday I mean she was so excited about Valentine's to be able to give our kids something you know I was like man let's just give them a hug and tell them how much we love them and uh you know, and that that has always been my that's always been my thing. And she was she has to go to she wants to go to the store and and get them gifts and all that. And I just was totally on board, and I just jumped in and went shopping with her and got her their little gifts and and understand that that is her expression of love. That's how she receives love. Well, God wired her that way, and He knows that. And there's been some times in our lives when she just needed to be reminded by God that. God's thinking about her, that she's not forgotten at this place. And one of, one of the most unique ones was the fact she had this, we had this picture, this tea picture that uh, we had received for our, for as a wedding present. She really loved this tea picture, this glass tea picture. She just thought it was just wonderful and somehow ended it up getting broken. I think it was me. Did I break it? I probably did. And anyways, the, the picture got broken. And she was really distraught over this being broken. It was very precious to her as a gift. So somebody had spoken love to her through that. And then she just liked it. And there was this little bit of time that went by that she did not have this, this tea picture anymore. Well, one day we, no word, no heads up, no nothing, we get this uh, box in the mail from Guatemala. Guatemala. That's not in Texas, folks. <laughs> this is Guatemala. This is outside of the U.S. We get this box of mail. We had never received anything from Guatemala, ever. Now, we had a friend there who was a missionary on the mission field, and we had talked via email and stuff, but we did not send packages or any of that kind of stuff back and forth. And we opened this box... And inside of this box is this beautiful, uh, uh, handmade, glass-blown, and it had this cool blue cobalt ring all the way around it, tea pitcher from Guatemala. And that he had been in the market and had just been walking around, saw that tea pitcher, and thought that he needed to buy it and send it to my wife. Well, first, you know, as a guy, that was just kind of weird. 
What's this single man from Guatemala buying my wife stuff? What's the deal? Actually, it didn't bother me. I thought it was awesome. And, uh, and so, but from this guy who knew nothing about what was going on in her life is there in a market on the mission field. He's got more stuff on his mind. There are kids who are suffering. There's all kinds of stuff that he's got his hands in the middle of. They were running a feeding station to make sure kids were properly nourished. I mean, the, there was a lot of important things going on in all of our minds that he needed to have his hands doing. But in the middle of doing that, the Holy Spirit just prompted him and said, you need to buy that for Krista Clark. And he bought it, didn't say anything, packaged it up, and shipped it to our house. And I guarantee you, my wife saw that as just this expression of the heart of God towards her. This, as a, a friend of ours coined the term, a lover gift from God. That God a lot of times will bring things into our lives. Whether if we're people who encouraging words are a big deal. That God will let you know that he is thinking about you through these different things. I'm one whose words of encouragement. And it's been neat because I've had, I've had people... I had an individual as I'm on the way out and said, man, I was just thinking about you this week and praying for you, and I just really feel like God wanted me to share this with you. And it was just such a wonderful, encouraging thing. Just this thing of God reminding me, hey, Clark, I'm thinking about you. I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Just these, these awesome little things. God is thinking about you. You've not escaped his notice. He cares about Every aspect of our lives. Even when there are huge needs going on, like children needing to be nourished, he cares about those and little little things. Saying, you know what? I'm just, I'm just thinking about you. I want you to have this. I know this will mean a lot to you. God loves us incredibly much. To the point that Matthew 10.30 is true, that even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows us to that degree. We don't even know us to that degree. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God is aware of every piece of our lives. He is totally thinking about us. The Word of God also lets us know that I choose you. What beautiful three words. To be chosen. That God would choose us. Not be forced to have us. Not be saddled with us. Not just something that kind of came along and got drug into the equation. But that God has chosen us. I've shared with y'all before that I'm just not naturally athletic. And in the whole elementary school thing, you know, you have the, the kickball. And you have to choose the teams. Well, that was a dreaded part of life for me because my, what my main thing is I simply did not want to be picked last. I did not want to be picked last. I had no aspirations of being picked first. I knew that wasn't going to happen. People have to stack their teams. They've got to get the good players first. I just didn't want to be picked last. I wanted somebody to see a little bit of potential in me and to, to choose me or, or at least Clark's fun to have on the team. We'll just put him on there just because he's, he's fun to have on the team. I don't know. Find some reason to choose me. It was so important. That's why weddings are so beautiful. 
It is this public declaration of these two people saying, I choose you and you alone. Forsaking everybody else, I choose you. Of all the billions of people on the face of the planet, I want and cherish only you. It is such a wonderful, beautiful thing. And it is something that honestly wells up out of the heart of God. We support uh, a missions group called Reaching Souls International, and they do a lot of work in Africa and India and raise up local <clears throat> indigenous pastors that they can pastor the people. They speak the language. They understand the culture. And I get reports back from the field on what's happening there. And a couple of months ago, I got this awesome report. And the culture there in Rwanda, simply because there's so much Everything is so age-ridden and everything. And, and honestly, people are, people are not living a long time. And lifelong, these long commitments have just kind of been put aside. And this idea of <clears throat> being stuck with somebody and, and committing to somebody just because people aren't living a long time. And that's just, it's just hard to wrap your mind around that kind of tragedy being that common in a place. But there are these men who have, who have been able to stay free from, stay free from AIDS. And they'd have this, this honey, this wife, this girlfriend. And a lot of them have multiple children together. But they were just not at this place of ready to, ready to commit. Their, their pagan culture did not require it. And as this local pastor was teaching there with his, with his local congregation there in Rwanda, he was teaching about the love of God and how committed God is to us and how, how marriage so expresses that. And it's the closest thing. And, and that believers, if they're going to love each other and, and, and have a relationship, then they need to, to choose each other and to be committed. Well, this is an incredibly impoverished nation. And they had four families in this church that had just gotten saved, and they just were living together. They had the one that had the most children had nine children together, but were just not committed to each other. And so they decided, because of the cost, to have this group wedding. And on a Sunday morning, to have these four weddings all together and have the children there and the parents there and the congregation and that's what the service ended up being about. They, they, the money is so tight that they contacted some of the other little churches and they pulled money together to be able to buy soda so they could have a party and have a little reception after these weddings. And it was an incredible sacrifice of these people to pull their money together and have this soda and provide soda for everybody. But see, when the, love, when the truth of God's love comes in, when the truth of commitment comes in, that God has chosen us and it becomes alive on the inside of us, it becomes something that then becomes expressed in our lives. That's why the number one thing for a marriage to work is we have to be committed to God. Because as we are committed to God, then we can genuinely be committed to each other. As we choose God because He has first chosen us, then at that point, then we have a foundation to really be committed to each other. God has chosen us. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you 
First Peter 2 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And in Romans eight thirty three, who will bring any charges against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. God has chosen us. It doesn't matter what other people say. Nobody can bring a charge against us. God's chosen us. Will you call yourself a believer? Will you've done this or you've done that? Or I know your life story. I know this. How can you say God loves you? Nobody can bring a charge against us. God has chosen us. He's chosen. Nobody can bring accusations against us. It's God alone who justifies And then the last thing we see is that God says, I will always, always be there for you. See, marriage really is not about looking for somebody who can fulfill all your needs. Marriage is about looking for somebody that you want to fulfill all of their needs. Is I love you so much, I want to be there for you in everything. See, my, uh, just, uh, uh, that was one of the things that I just, I could not stand the thought of my wife having a victory in her life and me not being able to be there to celebrate it. Or her having something that's a struggle and me not be there to pray with her and support her and be there through that. That is God's heart for us. God is there for us in the winds in our life. And God is there for us when things are tough and when things are ugly. God has said that he will always, always be there for us. I love the, uh, the story that the, uh, uh, that the Indians have passed down on how eagles pick their mates. How the female eagle picks her mate. And she starts out and she has these, these different other eagles kind of courting her. And all these men kind of coming after her. And she first starts out and she finds this twig and whoosh! Flies way up in the air. Male eagle follows her. And she drops that twig. And then the male eagle dives. Catches that sucker, that twig out of the air. Brings it back up and shows her. She then immediately goes down and picks up a little bit bigger stick. Repeats the same process. Just soars up. Drops it. He comes soaring down. Snatching that thing. Goes all the way till finally he keeps catching the sticks. He keeps catching the sticks till finally she picks up a log that's about the size of her weight. And she's straining under it, carrying that sucker up and hauls that thing up into the sky and lets that big old log go. And there his job is to whoosh, haul down and to grab that log before it touches the ground. If If... He ever misses a stick. She starts over with a new guy. Like, nope, you don't make the cut. He misses that one stick. You don't make the cut. She finds a new guy. And she is looking for this male because they bond for life. And she is looking for this male that she can eventually trust with her whole weight. That if she's up there and they're soaring together and something happens, that he could zoom down and catch her. At some point, they're going to have eaglets together up on some high precipice cliff. And those little babies, if they were to fall out, it's his job to whoosh, go down there and grab those things before they hit the ground and bring them back up to safety. 
she has to be willing to trust him with her whole weight. That she has to know that he will always be there for her. See, our hearts are crying out for that. We so want that. We so incredibly want that. And we'll try to put different people up in our lives. And some people are a little bit better at being trustworthy than others. But ultimately, everybody's going to fail us at some point. At some point, everybody's going to let that stick hit the ground. And we were wired not to trust some other person and put our, other, our weight on some other person on, on, to that degree. We're wired to, to trust God in other people. But God is the one who will always, always, always be there for us. And in that, when we understand that, then we can, we can allow God to minister to our lives or others. Then I can sit there and put my whole weight on my wife. Why? Because I'm not banking on her. I'm banking on God in her. She's not banking on just Brandon Clark because I'll disappoint so many times. But she's banking on God in me. And that ultimately, even if I let this stick hit the ground, God is always there for her. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God. God will always, always be there for us. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. He comforts us in all our troubles. See, a lot of times we, we know that if there's some outside source causing trouble in our lives, we can go to God with that one. But you know what I've found? Most of our troubles are self-inflicted. Most of our troubles, we, the hole we find ourselves in, we dug it. We look around for somebody holding the shovel and it's us. And seeing God is there for us even in those times. When we are the ones who inflicted the wound, when we are the ones who dug the hole, God is still there for us all the time. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. See, God laid it out in writing just exactly how much He loves us. It's now our responsibility to choose to let God's love transform our lives we don't have to earn it he's chosen us we don't have to try to work hard to keep it his his love is never failing god loves us so incredibly much probably much probably much probably much probably much probably much probably much